Not too often. Good to see everybody tonight. Welcome to Bible study. Going to start a time in prayer. Let's ask God's blessing on it. Father, thanks for uh, just your presence here tonight, and we ask your blessing on our time together. We pray that we would just have just be open to what you want to say and what you want to do tonight. I ask you, God, that we would be open to new ideas. We'd be open to challenges. Maybe you want to speak to us. Your Holy Spirit wants to bring up uh, things that we need to hear, things that we may need to change in our minds, our hearts, our souls. Uh, but I pray, God, that we would allow you to have your way. So we pray for your leading, your guiding. We pray for understanding. We ask you, God, for your power pray, Father, your anointing over the teaching tonight. I just ask you to be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to the book of Job, chapter 1. If you need a Bible, you can grab one off the table. We have Bibles for you to use. We also obtain Bibles to give away. If you need a Bible, you can feel free to take that with you and enjoy it and read it. Also while you're turning, just a quick reminder, uh, we do have an interactive feature for Bible study. It's uh, located at a website at www.speakpipe.com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. If you go to that page, there's a button to toggle. and You toggle the button and you can record a message. It could be question. It could be a comment. It could be just saying hi. It could be something good that God's doing. And if you are listening to us in another place, another country, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know where you're from and what you're getting out of the Bible study. So uh, take advantage of that. Drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you and we'll endeavor to play it at our next meeting. Job chapter 1 and verse 22. Job one twenty-two. Anybody like to read that? All right, thanks. A couple things I, I want you to get out of that verse. I'm just going to give you the whole thing right now. I'm going to give it away. All right, I'm just going to tell you why I want you to get out of that verse. You ready? Blaming God is sin. That's what I want you to get out of that verse. Okay? Because it says right there that Job, no, don't pack up your Bible, Dave. I, I'm not, not going to give you a little more. But the verse says that Job did not sin by blaming God. Did you read that? Therefore, blaming God is sin. Right? So I just want you to hear that. And I want you to get that. That's the main idea of what I wanted to talk to you about tonight is just that. And so I'll start with the idea of blaming God. And and when the the looking up the the words that's used there for blaming God, uh, some some of uh, your Bibles may say, and Job did not charge God foolishly. Uh, some would say that he did not impute folly to God. Some of your Bibles might say he did not attribute folly to God. Uh, others might say that he did not vent a murmur toward God. A murmur. 
Yeah. So those are all little nuances of what that word talks about. And it's talking about that whole idea of how uh, he could have reacted to God. And, and if you read back the first 21 verses of Job 1, you see some of the things that had happened to him. You see some of the calamity that had come his way. You see the things he had faced. You've seen the sadness that had come his way. And so as you, as you see that, uh, that what he'd faced, I mean, we would tend to make an excuse for blaming God. We would tend to come up with some reasonable explanation why it would be okay to blame God after facing everything that Job had faced. And yet right here in this verse, as you get to verse 22, it, it just says that he did not sin by blaming God, by foolishly, foolishly blaming God for what had happened to him. I thought that was interesting. I thought it was interesting that uh, it, the thing that, that his wife told him later on in Job, where she told him, just curse God and die, he refused to do. He refused to curse God. He refused to blame God. He refused to declare that God had done anything wrong. And, and that's something powerful right there. Because after everything he had faced, after everything that <coughs> had happened to him, he refused to do that. Now, at the, at the heart of this would be a moral judgment. I want you to think about that for a second. And we've talked about this before in that we've talked about the knowledge of good and evil. And we've looked at it that we're not good at it. That when Adam and Eve were created, when God made man in his image, one of the things that he didn't give man was the knowledge of good and evil. In his infinite wisdom, he had decided that Adam and Eve just would not have that. And so where he put that, if you remember the story in the Garden of Eden, there was a tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden by the tree of life that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the one thing, the one prohibition that God gave to Adam and Eve was that you can't eat of that tree. So his intent for them in his creation was that they wouldn't operate in the knowledge of good and evil and that they wouldn't partake of that tree. Now, they could partake of the tree of life, meaning that they could eat of that tree and they'd just live forever. And so they, they had an eternal life. They had a tree there that they could eat on and they just would never die. They walked with God in the cool of the day. He walked with them. They, they had dominion over every animal. They had dominion over all the earth or the garden, and they just tended the garden. They did what they did. And so it didn't seem like a bad life at all. And they were just able to live that life, and they lived freely in that life. Until one day, after X number of time, amount of time, who knows how much time passed, but after a certain amount of time, they decided together, Adam and Eve together decided, they would eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that day, and they, their, the Bible says their eyes were opened, and they knew good and evil. It doesn't say they knew it well. It doesn't say they knew what to do with it. It doesn't say that they were all of a sudden superior judges 
of good and evil. It just says that their eyes were open and they knew good and evil. Like, for example, when God came looking for them later, where are you? Oh, we hid God. We hid. So, so their not, new knowledge of good and evil, here's, here's the first few things it, it told them. Number one, hide from God. As there's their new knowledge. Eyes were open. Hide from God. Why were they hiding from God? Because they were ashamed. Oh, oh, number two. Okay, number one, hide from God. Number two, heap shame on yourself. Good idea, right? So that's the second thing. And then you can just keep going. They knew they were naked. They knew all this stuff. They, they were never created to know that. But by their own act of their own will, they became aware of those things. And we've been aware of them ever since. So Job, in his primitive faith, his primitive faith of God, it, it, he had the knowledge of good and evil just like every other person does. But he made a choice that he was not going to make a good and evil judgment about God. Because you can't. You can't. Because there's only one answer, and that's he's good. But what if everything looks bad that he, that, that's happening to me? Then what? He's still good? What if things aren't going the way I thought they were going to go? What if I, you know, I mean, his whole family's getting killed. He, he's got all these problems going on. His animals are being destroyed. His wealth has just been taken from him. Everything's gone, and his world, his whole world is destroyed. He's still alive, but his whole world is destroyed. What about God? Still good. See, he had made a decision somewhere along the line that that's the, only, that's the only thing there is. That there's nothing else. And if I could tell you a secret of, of something little that, that I know in my heart and I know in my life is that there are certain things that you need to eliminate every other choice to in your life. There are just certain things like that. There are certain things that there can be no other choice to. And that's your decision to make that and to make sure that that's the case. Is God good? Yeah. Yeah. But what if my whole world falls apart? He's still good. There's no other decision. Issues in your life like faithfulness, issues in your life that, that you need to make certain decisions on, so there aren't any other decisions. And, and let it be. And let that be the case. Now, I know that sounds a little bit simplistic, and maybe some of you are sitting here and you don't even understand what I'm saying. That's so weird, right? You don't even understand what I'm saying? Well, there, there just needs to be those things for us. There's no other choice. There's nothing to fall back on. There's no other decision to be made. And if you can understand what I'm saying, I want to encourage you to make those kind of decisions in your life ahead of time. That it's just done. Simplify. Simplify those moments. Simplify when things get crazy. Simplify when things aren't going your way. Simplify things when you're angry or you're frustrated or you're confused or whatever it is. You make those decisions ahead of time. And it's just done. You ever wonder, like, there's people out there that just won't quit? They just keep going? Well, they've made that decision. 
at least as far as I can tell. They made that decision at some other point in their life. Because if, you, if you're going to live your life, especially with major things, making decisions on the fly in the moment, you're going to be terrible. And you're going to make terrible decisions. And, and you're going to see your life spin into chaos all the time. Because you can't do that. Nobody can. Nobody's good at that. Nobody can do it. And so there's certain things, certain, certain decisions that need to be made ahead of time. That just needs to be the case. And I, I see what Job is doing here. I see the decisions. It looks like it appears to me that he's already made. And that is God is good. He's just good. Well, I don't understand what happened. Nope. I don't know why this happened. Nope. I, 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 what happens terrible. Yep, it is. Tragic. Tragic what happened. God's still good. Because what, are you going to make a moral judgment on God based on your circumstance in the moment? Or is that one of those big decisions you can kind of settle ahead of time? So you're not settling that in the moment. Like, is it even possible? No. No, it's not. Is it, is it possible that God's not good? No. Then sell it now. So that in the moment, you're not trying to wrestle with that. Why would you wrestle with that? you got other things to think about. you got other things to consider. Like Job sitting here, his whole family just got killed. He's got other things to think about. He's not wrestling with some moral judgment of God. That he's not fit to make anyway. Especially not in some moral craziness or, or some, some emotional craziness that's going on in his life. He can't make that. He can't, he can't come to any sane conclusion there. Just can't. You know what? Uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to offend people. So, all right. Because there's other, I mean, you think about other decisions that people used to make, and without getting into too much detail, but there used to be decisions that people make, and they're done. They're just done. And there's no going back. There's no refiguring it out. There's no, you know, trying to come up with a better one later. It just is. It's done. It just is. And those were, they, they were, they, they were foundational type decisions that people made in their lives that they entered into with the full knowledge that, that this was going to last them for the rest of their life. And if you couldn't do that, well, you didn't make it. You just didn't make that decision. There aren't many of those left anymore. Not really. We figured out a way to weasel out of everything. You, you can get out of any decision you want to make. You can sign a contract with a, with a blood on your fingerprint, you know, full knowledge of what the contract says, and, and it could be signed, sealed, and delivered, and you still get out of it. You know that, right? People do it all the time. Because we've weaseled out of every commitment. We've re weaseled out of everything. We found a way out. Well, it's unreasonable to think someone would feel the same way 10 years later. Really? It doesn't seem unreasonable to me. It doesn't. 
And I'm more than 10 years old. Okay? I got five times that now. All right? And it is not unreasonable to me that decisions can be made and commitments can be made and they're just made and that's it. It's the end of it. And we're going to live it and, and the rest of those decisions are gone because this is made, this is done. And again, I'm not going to try to offend people. I don't want to offend people. I just want to let you know that you're living in the midst of a society, you're living in the midst of a people that don't know how to make a commitment. You're living in the midst of a people that have figured out ways to let people out of commitments. Even if it's a signed contract. Oh, I, I, I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay. What do contracts mean anymore? They don't. You got a couple hundred bucks for a lawyer, you're out of it. You're out of it. And, and you know that. Even if it doesn't No, it doesn't need one. No, we've built it into our society that we are unfit to make a commitment that lasts more than a year. Well, that isn't the way this works. That's not the way the book works. That's not the way God works. That's not the way this works. It's not. It's not how it works. And, and he, he's not your, your dog and pony show. And he's not going to just keep you entertained to keep you around. Your commitment needs to mean more than how much you're entertained by God. Or how much you're entertained by his people. Or how much you're entertained by what's going on with, with whoever happens to be teaching or speaking or, or whatever else it is that may happen on YouTube or whatever. That something needs to be deeper than that. Something needs to be stronger than that. It really does. You know, and I, it, it, it's, it's always, it breaks my heart. And this is just me. When... I, I, I will say to someone who's made a commitment, you made a commitment, this is my expectation. It breaks my heart, and this happens every time I say that, well, you're just being unreasonable. It just breaks my heart. All the time. All the time. And all I can say is, okay, maybe so. But that's what I expect. And it just gets worse. And so I want to encourage you that there are just certain things that you need to make your decision on and live it. Job made his decision. He lived it. People love to pick on Job, but man, there's really nothing to pick on that guy about. He, he did it. He lived it. He stood his ground, too. He knew what he believed. He knew what was going on, and he stood his ground. I've heard more sermons about what his counselor said than I have what he said. Which is scary, because his counselors were wrong. They got rebuked in the end. Read the end of the book. God didn't pat them on the back and say, good arguments. For thousands of years, guys will be getting some sermons out of that stuff. That's awesome. But if you ever read, and I encourage you, read Job. And if you're ever reading his counselors and you find yourself agreeing with them, check that. You need to check that. They were wrong, and they got rebuked for it. Remember that.
So in our lives, discontentment, what's discontentment, anybody? Unhappy. Unhappy. Yeah, we'll say unhappy. Discontentment, unhappiness and impatience most often lead us to charge God with folly. Those are the two main things. Unhappiness and impatience are the two main areas that lead us to begin to charge God with being wrong. To charge God with folly, to blame him for things in our life. The, the idea of charging God with foolishness or folly, reproach or guilt, they, those words are all derived from a word which means unsavory. And it draws a picture of someone spitting something out of their mouth. I mean, it doesn't taste good. And that's the picture we have. Yeah. Didn't this uh, blaming God start right at the very beginning? When uh, Adam, when God said, you know, according to John or whatever, however you put it, he said, well, that, that woman that you gave me, the, the helper you gave me, she, she got me to do it. Well, well yeah. So, well, there were two sides to that. One, he was blaming her, mainly. But then implied in that, he gave him the woman that caused him to do it. Yeah. Well, sure. Well, it was as soon as they got the knowledge of good and evil. Because at that point, then... They could, as I said before, they could charge God foolishly because they could make a moral judgment against him. Prior to that, they could not make a moral judgment against him because they didn't have the capacity to do so. Period. Much less against God. So, what had happened was is that once they had the ability to make the moral judgment, he immediately turned it on his wife and on God, period. And so it became somebody else's fault. So the idea of it being unsavory, if you deal better with pictures, the idea of the picture is being drawn by this verse, it was be that if Job had decided that you see it as a meal, and he's eating the meal that God had prepared for him, and instead of just swallowing it, instead of just having the meal, he, he found it unsavory, and he spit it out of his mouth. Okay, that's the picture. So he didn't do that, though. He didn't do it. Because God wasn't the problem, and he knew that. God wasn't the issue here, and he knew that. And he refused to allow that to be the case in his mind. He refused to allow that to be the, the blame that he was going to cast anywhere. Because the real issue wasn't, and you get to the point here, it's like he had lost his family. He had lost his possessions. He had lost his wealth. He had lost everything he had built in a lifetime. He lost it all within a matter of moments. And if you experience that, 
and you don't make a moral judgment on it, listen, there's no one to blame. Okay? It just is. And so it was what it was. He could have. He could have, but that's still a judgment. And in the, his friends were all about the judgment because they blamed him. But he knew he didn't do it. He knew what they were saying wasn't true. So there was no one, if there's no one to blame, is there still sadness? Yeah. Is there still loss? Yeah. Is there still, I mean, in a sense, I mean, you, you experience all the emotions that you would experience because it's the truth. You just lost everything. And you're going to experience those emotions. You're going to grieve. Right? In that sense. You lose all your kids at once. You're going to grieve. You lose all the stuff. You're going to grieve. You're going to grieve for all these things. And, and that's all good. That's okay. We want to do that. And none of that has to be married, though, to a moral judgment. None of that has to be married to blaming somebody. None of that has to be married to, to getting angry. Doesn't. All of those emotions can take place without the, the blame being cast. All of those emotions can, can, can take place without striking out at somebody else. They can. And, and Job displays that. I mean, he was to the point where he was like, why was I even born? Okay, I mean, he was, he was experiencing grief. He was experiencing heavy emotion. When you're asking God, why? Why was I even born? In other words, I wish I, I mean, if I hadn't been born, I wouldn't have to feel everything I'm feeling right now. I wouldn't have to go through everything I'm going through right now. I mean, he was experiencing heavy emotion, but he was able to do it without blaming without casting that, that blame onto God, without spitting him out of his mouth. There's something really powerful about that. Because you're going to be facing loss in your life. You will. We all do. We all face loss. We all face moments where we grieve. And it could be loss of a loved one. It could be a loss of whatever it is. Something that we worked for our whole life. It could be, you know, a loss of, of whatever. I don't know. Position, wealth, power, <coughs> people. <coughs> and we can grieve. And we can be sad. And we can have those emotions. But we don't have to make a moral judgment against God. We don't. We don't need that. We don't have to do it. Because doing it, as I said before, I know I already gave this away, right? At the beginning. What I want you to understand from this passage. Blaming God is what? Sin. Yeah, it's sin. And so we don't have to do it. Why? Well, right, because it's sin to do it. In and of itself, it's sin. And you think about Job under all the pressure that he was under. But in everything he said, and in everything that he did, he didn't blame God. 
And, and the Bible says, in all this, you know, in this verse, in all this, Job didn't sin by blaming God. All of it. And what was all of it? I mean, sad occasions. And who predicted he would sin? The devil did. Satan. Satan's prediction on all of this is that if, if all this happens to Job, what's going to happen? He's going to sin. He's going to blame God. He's going to curse you, God. And you know what? He didn't do it. See, the devil was wrong. The devil doesn't know the future of your life or my life. The devil doesn't have that kind of power. The devil doesn't have the power to even predict necessarily what you're going to do or what decision that we're going to make. Circumstances can be changed. Circumstances can be altered. There can be you know, the opportunity brought into our life. But nobody, nobody other than you and God are going to know what you're going to do. So Flip Wilson, remember Flip Wilson? Was wrong. He was wrong. The devil didn't make him do it. The devil didn't even know for sure if he was going to do it. He did it. All right, if you know who I'm talking about, you're old. All right? If you don't, don't worry about it. YouTube it, man. Yeah. But that was one of his, uh, he was, Philip Wilson was a comedian, and one of his, uh, one of his big taglines was, the devil made me do it. And so he was wrong about that, though. It wasn't the devil made him do it. And the devil, he predicted Job would do a certain thing, and he didn't do it. He predicted Job would curse God. He didn't curse God. Job was going to blame God, but he didn't blame God. Job was going to sin, but he didn't sin. He made a different decision. A decision he'd made is at some other point. And you see, the devil may have been right about 99.9% .9 of people that he would throw this stuff at, but having to pick one guy that already made his decision about God, God's good. And so... He threw everything, all normal stuff at him. He said, well, this is what's going to happen. Nope. He'd already made his decision. It wasn't even a possibility. He didn't do it. Not even a possibility. Do you understand the power of that? And I know I'm harping on this, but I, I get a lot of blank stares when I do this. Do, do you understand the power of there not being another possibility? I mean, think about it. Like if, if the only possibility is that God is good, there is no other possibility. There's a power in that. Why? Because the devil can throw things your way. Circumstances, situations, whatever. Throw it your way. What's going to happen? Same thing that always happens because there's no other possibility. God's good. I can be sad. I can be hurt. I can, I can, I can grieve. I can go through all the emotions I'm going to go through. And all those are real. And I'm not saying I'm coming out of it like all happy and everything because that's not the case. Job wasn't happy. But the possibility of what the devil predicted he would do didn't even exist for him. That's why it didn't work. It wasn't going to work. It was never going to work. God knew it was never going to work because the possibility had been eliminated in his decision structure. And in his understanding of the way the world works and the way he understood how things go. been eliminated already. That was it. And, and the real question between God and Satan about Job wasn't whether Job had sin. Because everybody has sin, all right? And the real question here wasn't whether Job had any sin in his life or he did or he didn't or whatever. Because everybody has sin in their life. Except for Jesus. 
All right, everybody that existed before and after Jesus, we all have sin in our life. All right, that's not the issue here. That's not the question. You know what the real question was? Is whether or not Job was a hypocrite. That was the real question. Was he a hypocrite? And what do I mean by hypocrite? I mean, you, you look one way, but you do another. Okay? His decisions were already made. He was one way. That was it. There wasn't another. That decision had been made. And so, you know, is, did Job grieve? Sure. Was he sad? Yeah. All, yeah, he, he was who he was. Yeah, Howard. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it. He went about. He went about his faith. Because he didn't make a moral judgment on it. Right. God's still good. Why do we? You know, it's easy to worship God if He's still good, right? Yeah. He didn't make any judgment on it. Because that decision had already been made. I, I look at this, and again, Job represents us, or could, but he represents a man who had, had his convictions. He represents a man who'd made his decisions. He represents a man who had already determined what he believed. And so when, when calamity came his way, it didn't shake him that way. Not that. It might have shaken him emotionally. It may have shaken him in a lot of different ways, but it didn't shake him in God. And when his friends came and, and, they, try, you know, and they tried to explain to him why he was so bad and why God did this to him, he refused all of that. He wouldn't listen to it. And he, and he argued with them and he said no. Why? Because he knew who he was. He knew who God was. And that wasn't shaken by any of this. That's powerful. But that could be us. And that's what you need to understand about Job is that this, the reason he's put out there as an example, the reason that we have this book, here's a guy with a simple, primitive faith that stood by what he believed, made his decisions, lived it out. That could be me and you. That's the beauty of it. There's nothing special about Job. Right? You can't look at him and say, oh, well, he had X, Y, or Z advantage. What advantage? He lived in a time of primitive faith. He lived in a time where we, there, there was likely no written word whatsoever. People just worshiped God as they worshiped him. But he had made his decisions about God. He had made his determinations about God. And he went about serving God, worshiping God, and living out his life. And his circumstances changed. He still went about worshiping God and living out his life. He was sad. He worshiped God. He was happy. He worshiped God. He had plenty. He worshiped God. He had nothing. He worshiped God. <coughs> he was in physical distress. He worshiped God. That could be us. It could be. Somebody look at... Uh, Gospel of John, chapter 9. Gospel of John, chapter 9, and verse 3. 
All right. Now, Jesus said that about a man and his parents. This is after a miracle that was done. Uh, I believe it was a blind man. You can correct me if I'm wrong with that. And, and, and so Jesus made this statement because they had made a determination in the time of Jesus that if you had a physical infirmity, like you were blind or deaf or you couldn't walk or whatever it is, that that was because either you sinned or your parents sinned directly. They'd also made a determination if you were poor, it was because either you sinned or your parents sinned. They made a determination that if you had whatever, whatever your problem was, they had had a determination, they'd made a determination that the reason that it happened was because you had sinned. Now, these guys that made these determinations, the Pharisees, Sadducees, people that lived during that day, they would have gotten along great with who? Friends of Job. Because that was the same determination that the friends of Job made, that the reason all these things happened to Job is because he had sinned. And that's why. So what Jesus was saying, now listen to what he was saying. Did he mean that this guy nor his parents had ever, never, ever sinned in their entire lives? Is that what he was saying? I mean, think about it for a second. Do you think that's what he meant? No. What do you mean? Right, right. That's exactly what he meant. That's exactly what he meant. That that blindness that they wanted to blame on the man or his parents was not the result of either. And that he was eliminating that judgment. Same judgment as the friends of Job. Thousands and thousands of years before. What does that tell you? Did it tell you that it's a product of language? No. They spoke different languages. Product of culture? No, they lived in two different cultures. Product of religion? Nope, they had two different religions. The Pharisees and the Jews of the New Testament had a different religion than this primitive religion of Job. This, this didn't even have a book to it. So it wasn't the religion. It was, as Dave just said, it's in our nature to do it. It's in our nature. It's not even a learned behavior. It's the result of the knowledge of good and evil that's in us, that original sin. And so, you've got to fight it. And you've got to eliminate the possibilities. <coughs> One of the things that I do when I travel to dangerous places, and anybody that's ever traveled with me in dangerous situations <coughs> know this, is that I go about eliminating variables. That's what I do. And so as many variables as I can eliminate, especially in a dangerous situation, the better. Because as... The Bible says, every day has enough trouble of its own, I ain't bringing any with me. Okay? So, life has enough troubles of its own. It does. And how many variables, how many variables can you eliminate by making some decisions ahead of time? A lot. How many variables can you eliminate by being a faithful person? A lot. 
by going ahead and making those decisions and just living it out and eliminating choices on your own. On your own, eliminating choices. Yeah. Because your day might have a lot more trouble than you think it's going to have. And if you've eliminated choices that you don't need to be making, you got a lot more brain power to deal with what's happening. A lot more God power, a lot more thinking power, a lot more emotional power, a lot more whatever it is you want to think of it as to deal with the situation that's coming your way. Because at least that's not on the table. Or that's not on the table. Or this thing isn't on the table. It's been dealt with already. See, Job was willing to humble himself under the hand of God. What does that mean? What does it mean to you when I say Job was willing to humble himself under the hand of God? Put that into everyday English for me. I know that's in English because you understood what I said, but make it, make it every day. Make that something every day, if you can, without reading the message. It's more than that. Yeah, I mean, it is that. that that's part of it. Yeah, now go with that theme, right, what you just said. He humbled himself under the hand of God. Definitely made himself second. Made himself lower. What else? He submitted himself. He submitted himself. Submit is a good word. That's a, yeah. Okay, in other words, he put himself, humbled himself, under whatever God wanted to do. Now, that implies that God has the right to do whatever he wants. And Job humbled himself under that knowledge. So God could remove whatever or whomever he wanted from his life. He humbled himself under that. And the reality of the situation is, is that he lost every child he had. He lost every bit of wealth he had, all his possessions. God took him up on it, if you really want to think about it that way. Remember Job's famous statement after all this? Anybody? Starts with the word naked. Naked I came into this world. Yeah. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's his famous line. <coughs> Again, I'm not saying it wasn't sad. I'm not saying it wasn't devastating. I'm not saying it wasn't a flood of emotion. I'm not saying it wasn't hard. I'm not saying he didn't cry. I'm not saying it wasn't something that he grieved. I'm not saying any of those things. Because I believe all those things took place. But all of this stuff, all of these moral wranglings, 
all of these theological discussions, they were done. They were done. Because here's a man that had humbled himself under the hand of God. In other words, whatever God wants, whatever God's going to do, whatever God says, whatever God's plan is, whatever God takes, whatever he leaves. And understand that through this whole thing, Job never, never, and I wrote this down in here, see the reason for it. Do you understand that? He didn't know the reason for this. He never saw the reason for it. And if you're one of those people, well, I got to know why. Mm, that's some tough going. Because there's a lot of times we don't know why. <coughs> if you're one of those people, you got to know why. Ooh, you're going to miss a lot of good stuff. Well, life's not going to go your way, man. Because lots of things happen in life you don't know why. If you ain't got any trust in it and you ain't got any faith in it and you, and you haven't you know, humbled yourself under the hand of God, that's a lot of moral wrangling and a lot of craziness going on in your head. I mean that. That's a lot of craziness. And, and you can wrestle for that for the rest of your life and never come to a conclusion. Ever. And my big question in that is why? Because your big brain ain't going to figure it out, I'm telling you. Your big brain might be able to deceive you. Your big brain might be able to get you to, I don't know, come to some other kind of conclusion that's false or believe a lie. Your big brain might be able to convince you to go out and, 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 and be an idiot somehow, make yourself feel better. Your big brain can do a lot of things, but it ain't going to solve that one. It's not. And, and, and some of those, those gymnastics, those mental gymnastics you do, is just going to make you crazy. And there's no reason for it. You know, we serve a God who loves us. We need to believe that. If we're going to love him. We need to believe that too. And that should cover a bunch right there. It should. And if it doesn't, we need to review, number one, God loves me. And number two, I love him. And that needs to cover a bunch. And if it doesn't, we need to review, number one, God loves me. And number two, I love him. And, and make our decisions. I'm pretty simple as a person. In a lot of ways and I speak something like this I didn't used to teach this stuff because I thought it was so obvious that I was insulting you I really did but I've had enough conversations with people about trying to figure out how they can make certain decisions when in my life those aren't even choices to know that I'm not insulting anybody I'm just giving you a different perspective. And I suppose that's all I can do. I, I look at Job and I don't I wouldn't mind being like Job. I want to be more like Job. 
I want to be that rock solid. I, I want to have that that decision made. In a lot of ways, I know I have, because I've had circumstances come up. I've had situations. I've grieved. I've been sad. I've cried. But it never occurred to me that God isn't good, ever. I don't even know how that comes up. So I guess, in, in some ways, I can relate. But I know I'm not there. I want more of that. I want to be more solid. I want to be more rock solid in faith, more rock solid in belief, more rock solid in decisions being made. I got my own problems. Life's got enough trouble. I sure don't need to add more to it. I need simplicity. I don't need more complications. I don't need to be making moral theological judgments in the midst of crisis. I know that. I know that. So, yeah, Nikki. So you say, you know, like, God gives and God takes away. And a few weeks ago, you also said he doesn't keep record of our sin. Right. Well, right. That's a moral judgment on yourself. And that's a sin as well. It's the it's the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil in your life, which you're no good at, because nobody is. Okay. And you weren't created to live under that. And it was the sin of Adam and Eve that even gives you the opportunity to screw yourself up with it. Yeah. So for me to say it's sin, well, it, yeah. I mean, it's the fruit of sin in our life, is what it is. To do that against God is sin. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and I'm trying to get to, to that place where you understand that that is eliminated. Eliminate it. Just get rid of it. And that's what I'm trying to help you to. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, if you're a stubborn person, then apply that stubbornness to something that matters, okay? And it's really going to help you. Yeah. I'm not saying you're stubborn, Nikki. I'm just saying if you are. <laughs> hypothetically, theoretically, if you are stubborn, <laughs> apply that <laughs> to something that will help you. You won't offend me. No, no, no. I mean, you know, I think you understand what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So I'm going to end it there. Um, and what I'd like to do is just take a few moments and let you just challenge yourself a little bit about where you're at. And uh, maybe just what God's speaking to you. Do what you need to do. Some of you, I mean, you got your life and you need to make some decisions that eliminate the possibility of any other decision. 
But I would never tell anybody to enter into that lightly because it just is what it is. And once it's done, it's done. And let it be. Let it be. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you you give us every opportunity to love you back. I pray for that to grow in us. I pray for your love to grow in us, and I pray our love toward you would grow. And I ask God that it would never be questioned in us whether you love us or not. Because you say it, and you don't lie. And so by simply just believing that, believing your word, believing you, you love us. And it's a fact. You do. And, and there may be times where we don't feel it, or we're distracted by something else, or we're in turmoil and it's hard, or we're grieving, or we're sad. But regardless of our perceptions, in a moment or in a circumstance, you still love us because it's a fact. And so I pray that you begin to establish some real facts, some real truth in our minds, in our hearts, our spirits, God. Begin to establish in us some things that just don't change with circumstances, or situations, or emotions, or feelings. And I pray, God, that in a real way you'd help us to begin to simplify where we're at and how we're seeing things, how we're seeing you, how we're seeing our lives, to really just simplify decisions having been made and done and to eliminate certain variables in our life as we move forward. Thank you, God. Just take a moment. Right where you're at, respond. Thank you, God. God, I pray for decisions that are being made tonight that it's just done. And that's it. And we can move on in a new simplicity with one less variable. <coughs> For some, I pray that you'd really speak to them about what decisions do need to be made and what matters. Thank you, God. Thanks, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, we commit these things 
In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Bless you guys. Good